This is Naoki Yoshida. This is Fern Hall. And you are listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio. Here we go. Hey, can you hear us? Are we on the internet? Hey, I didn't everybody. sign up for this. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Pretty sure you did, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, crap, I didn't read it. That's such a problem. <laughs> yeah, you uh, anyway. make sure you read all the fine text, you know, all the uh, small text. Hello, and welcome to Aetherite Radio. We're Gamerscape's Final Fantasy XIV podcast, and uh, I'm Sinudra. Today I have with me all do you know. I want to point, but I know I'm going to point the wrong way. All do you know, and Rook. Um, hey. We are hello. down our beloved Fusion today because we don't want him to melt. Uh, uh-huh. We were also down... Our beloved guest Pukujutsu today for the same reason. Yep. We told them it's to go. Hot. Yeah, and yeah. hug their air conditioners and not to not to melt. So, as yeah. somebody who this past week had my AC go out, um, we're getting one next week, thankfully, because even two days of trying to stream or be in a room where there's computers and heat and no AC, it's like this is the worst thing imaginable. Today it's pretty cool by us, so I feel really lucky. But uh, I understand. I understand why both Fusion and Pukajutsu had to make sure they could stay cool today, because it's misery. <laughs> right. You know, once I was living in a place with no AC, and it got so hot that the glass panel on my monitor, the glue on it, melted. And so the glass pa- uh, panel sagged down. So I came home from work, and I'm like, oh, that's not... Oh, I should never live here. Why do we no, live here? Wouldn't get out! I'm so glad you don't live there anymore! So you weren't even, like, using the computer at the time? No, I was not in the room. Oh, goodness. It was just that hot in the room, because it was oh sun-facing, it was Southern California, oh, it sucked. yeah. It was, Dias. like, a weird heat wave in April. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, um, today, we have a smidge of news, just a smidge, and then we're going to talk about 4Gamers' interview with Bon Riota. But the thing we want to start with today is... Uh, a little bit of addressing what's been going on in the community. Um, some really terrible, ignorant people have been uh, doing hate raids on uh, uh, black indigenous people of color and the LGBTQ community, uh, plus community. Um, and it's not cool. Uh, as as viewers of, of these wonderful friends of ours, please support them. Uh, lend them your patience as they have to deal with banning 5,000 bots spewing hatred into their channels. Uh, and also yeah. reach out to Twitch. Tell Twitch that yeah. this is this don't this is not something we should stand for. This is not something that should be going on and they need to they need to fix their shit. And yeah. as a little note for anybody who might be a content creator who listens to this after the fact or if you're worried that this might be something that you have to deal with yourself, there are a ton of resources out there. Uh, before the actual official cast, we were talking about how amazing Stream Deck is, for example. And there's some great YouTube videos and things like that about how to bind certain keys that will like automatically purge your chat, uh, put it into followers only mode, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all with one push of a button, just in case you're worried about this or you yourself are part of a minority group. So please take care of yourselves. Um, oh my gosh, we've seen so many people, so many people we love have to deal with this and it's yeah. really egregious. It's absolutely egregious. And no matter how composed people are about it on stream, I mean, that kind of thing, day after day after day, sweeping the community like this affects them. So yes, any love that you have to send to them, do and definitely, definitely reach out to Twitch as well. Slap them. Or slap yeah. them in the face. Yeah. They have to make better tools. I don't That's condone really violence, it. but I do. 
<laughs> yes. But yeah, they just need to make better tools uh, to handle it and to distribute them better. Um, yes. But, you know, that they'll learn from that, I'm, I'm sure, as long as we all make some noise their direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that now that the biggest, most important piece of news is, is out there, yeah. um, let's talk about the Sage job icon. They released <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Oh they gosh. released that a bit ago. And, yeah. uh, you know, people were excited to get even the tiniest little bit of news. But a bunch of people uh, in the community turned around and, and they were like, Yoshi P, this icon freaks me out. Apparently, uh, because of the tiny little, like, nubbins and holes on the top of the uh, the yep. symbols in the icon that are presumably the, uh, what are they called? Newliths? Yeah, mm-hmm. newliths. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it was triggering people's trypophobia, which is like mm-hmm. uh, when you, oh, I'll just read their description. Um, they feel disgust and fear when they see clusters of small holes or bumps, which can be triggered by any number of things like bugs or tiny new lift ends all clustered together. So, um, yeah. because people did reach out and were like, Hey, this is actually freaking me out a little bit. They, they changed the icon. They went yeah. ahead and got the art team back in there. And we're like, Hey, can we do something about this? It's, um, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just thinking about people, you know, and, and it's really cool because, you know, my partner actually is a tryptophobe. Um, this didn't really trigger her in any way. However, you know, things that you might not expect have in the past. So it's just cool that they're thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate what? it. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It seems like people have no problem with the new symbol. I have no problem with it. I don't really think there's a way to have a problem with it per se. Yeah. I was a little confused about why they didn't just like, I don't know, just like fill them all in and like move one a little bit. I don't know. Like the way they kind of moved them to angle and there's the one that still kind of has an empty spot because it's sort of overlapped with the other one. I was like, I mean, it looks okay, but to me it felt like maybe there could have been some kind of cleaner way to do it. I don't know. Right. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter that much to be honest, but... Uh, it is. I mean, I'm glad they adjusted. I'm glad they listened. And I'm glad that people don't have to deal with that because the moment that I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, well, I could see how that could affect people because right. it does kind of look like that. I mean, at least you can tell what too. they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, the thing that really weirds me out about them is like the top one, like pokes into the bottom one in the middle. Right. And I, I'm wondering if it's going to be some mechanic of the actual job that we see later on. It's like some weird hint into the future or something. You know, but I'm just like, it's like why? That's such a weird design choice. Super low-tech mechanical pencils from the 90s that were just the pieces of plastic with lead. And they were like, you stack them in the pencil. <laughs> yeah, yes! that's exactly what they are. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my thought. I was like, why? That's very strange yeah. design choice. Maybe it's got you know, something yeah. to do with how it please i mean yeah, it I could know. it's just that one the one drives me a little tiny like yeah. not even yeah. not in a way that matters again like this is just so it's so silly but i look at it and i'm like one two three and there's just that one wrong? that sticks out that's just yeah. different than the others i don't know uh, but yeah at least you can tell what they are because so many people are like what is the samurai icon what is that and it's like oh it's the guard if you were looking straight down at it like down the blade and every time someone's like wait what that's what it's supposed to be <clears throat> yeah people are also tell. yeah people are also kind of wondering about the uh the reaper icon because mm, like right. part of it's obviously a scythe but what's the other part mm-hmm. 
Is yes, it like true. the gun scythe part? Is it actually a gun scythe? Is that like a bullet hole? What's going on? Is it speed lines? Is it going yes. really fast? <laughs> Maybe it's a ghost. Who knows? I don't know. Who we'll figure knows? it out in mid-November. Uh. Yes. Just hold on. Hold on. I Just know, a little bit longer. I know. Yep. Every time it gets mentioned, the same thing, the exact, oh, oh, it's, it's November. It happens to me, too. You're not like, alone. Hey, I'm just living through all the new people going through the story and watching them just oh gosh, fall apart at places. So many, yeah, ah, so many emotions. All so of the people good. who've never experienced the story before, like seeing them like cry on stream and stuff. It's like, yeah, that's how I felt. You know, mm -hmm. you know. Now. Welcome to Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yes. Um. So next bit of news. Uh, it had been sort of announced before. The, the, like, un undescribed cookbook of some kind of video mm. game or something or other. Yes. But now it is confirmed. It is a Final Fantasy fourteen cookbook. And it's coming out on November 9th. I which can't again, wait. Yeah, yes. November. But if you, I, uh, if you look it up, they have, they have some examples. So mm -hmm. you, can, you can make some of the recipes right now if you so chose. Yeah. You can. I pre-ordered it as soon as Fusion put out the tweet that was like, yep. I think maybe this is a Final Fantasy cookbook. And I was so excited to see on Amazon that like <laughs> change into an actual book right. image that is 14. And there's supposedly like a special version of the cover um, that's pretty cute if you want to order through GameStop versus Amazon, mm -hmm. but it'll be the same contents of the book. Um, right. And I just, with a with a chef hat. He's so cute. Mm -hmm. He loves cooking pizza. Um, it just looks really great. I mean, it's fun. We've seen so many great content creators also start to base their content around cooking food right. from you know these games, whether they're a team player or another MMO player where there's cooking. Um, and it's really fun to actually see like an official cookbook come out mm -hmm. so that now we can make all that food and you know eat it while we just drown our <laughs> tears waiting for the expansion. Hey. Soon. Prepare, prepare all of your meals ahead of time. Yeah. When Endwalker comes out, and they can be 14 themed, so everything you're doing is 14 themed. I'm just saying, 14 on binging with Babish. When? When? <laughs> oh when is my he gonna gosh, do one? Yes. It's gonna happen, right? It's gotta happen. Uh, if if you're listening out there, Se, you can you can sponsor him. That, him that'd up. be cool. Hit him up. Yeah, that'd be a that'd good be episode. Cute. I would like that. All right. Uh, the next bit of news is Moonfire Fair started, guys. Yeah. If you want to go to the Moonfire Fair and get your Moonfire Bear, do it. The it, moon's not on fire. No. That rhymes really nicely, actually. I hadn't thought about it, but it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. One of the prizes is a polar bear mount in the middle of summer. Don't worry about it. It's to cool you down, to keep you cool. Mm -hmm. uh, there are funny? also. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say what's funny is that I think a lot of people, the mount's the big one, but for me, I was more excited by yes. the mask wall. I just. Ah. Yep. The mask uh, display. In previous years, there was like a, a water balloon, bomb, bombard balloon holder thing. Yeah. It was really, really cute. Was it, is it water balloons or, or lanterns? I think it's water balloons. I can't Unsure. remember. Either they way. They had one that was water balloons, but I think there was one that had like a lantern-y thing. Because, I mean, the lanterns are also a big part of it, so. Mm -hmm. So to like sort of go along with that, we now have a mask stand with a... Uh, I don't think we have all of these masks on, on our... We don't have the Namazu one. But no, in, so. in previous iterations of like the Yukatas, they've had like the, the Moogle mask and stuff, which is really cute. So if you want to build mm -hmm. your own little festival, what's up? Oh, there was, I think there was a Namazu mask that was released. Oh. I'm not sure when it was, but I feel like yeah. I have it on a character. <laughs> I was just <laughs> thinking about that. 
It's like I think I do. That's I remember good. a nightmare. I think <laughs> it was real. <laughs> Yipes. Uh, and then there are two other furnishings. Uh, one is like, what's it called? Costa del Helio? Hilo? I'm not sure what kind of food that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's like a shaved ice steel. Yeah. Yellow. I think it's yellow. Yellow. Okay. Mm. If I'm remembering correctly. And then the other one is grilled corn. And they're both really adorable. Yeah. So get like get like five of them. Apparently the yellow <laughs> glows too. So if, you, if you're into uh, the glowy foods, there you go. Real cute. There we go. Mm. Yeah, I I always like when they put a couple different things with the events, you know, like you can get not just X, Y, like you can get this, a furnishing item and a mount and a, I don't know, it's mm-hmm. just kind of nice to have the variety of things so that if like one reward is not something that you're super pumped about, there's still some other things that you can get or, um, you know, like when they released those, like the little ice platforms and stuff too, like it's right. just nice to see variety of little things because... The bear is cute, but I wasn't actually quite as excited as I was for that mask wall. It could just be that I have an RP character that is very fond of masks, so I've been waiting for this in particular, but Or an RP character that is very not fond of bears. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. No bears. None. Uh, All right. The the next thing, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this one. Just just Uh a little bit. They uh, released some some stuff on the on the Mog Station. Previous ah. Moonfire Fairs stuff is up there. Um, some of the stuff not from last year, but the previous years is actually on sale. So if you're a new player and you're interested in that, now is a great time to get it because it's on sale. Um, the one thing, the one thing that mm-hmm. is brand new is Cruise Chaser, the Cruise Chaser mount. It's a two-player mount, so you can have two people jump on that guy. Uh, and we... Not not us, but the community has known <laughs> that Cruise Chaser w- was in existence somewhere floating around for a while. And people thought maybe mm-hmm. it was from MGP or some kind of PvP or just people trying to figure out where this thing is from. Because everybody wants this mount. Oh, it's yes. really cool. And especially if you did the fight where you fight Cruise Chaser, you're like, gotta have that guy. N- Beat you need once, it. need you as a mount. Um, but it turns out it's on the Mog Station for... Twenty nine ninety nine US American dollar, uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a lot. And so there's been some controversy about it. How do you guys feel? I bought <sighs> it, so you bought yeah. it. You're like, whatever. Yeah. Here's my money. I, I mean, it's it. tough. It's tough. It's one of those things where I first and foremost like whenever people have really passionate just hatred of cash shops, right? Mm. I understand it because they can be abused, obviously. Like many companies do and a lot of free to play games or the idea where they've put pay to win structures in or stuff like that. It is something that I think we have to be careful of, particularly in MMOs, because I mean, when it comes down to it, MMOs need some kind of currency to fund them. They need that to be able to continue their ongoing development of the game. And because it's unlike many other games where you have servers and you're constantly developing new stuff for it and you have expansions and it's an ongoing project, right? You do have to have revenue coming in in some way or you literally cannot keep the game running, right? So Mm. all of that to say, I try really hard not to be very like vehement against cash shops in general, especially in a game where they aren't abusing it. And it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where for me, I really don't think that 14 does abuse it in in the sense that like many of the holiday items and things like that you can just get in game for free and it's nice to be able to get them after the fact anything that's released in there is usually cosmetic 
And of course now we have things like the level skips and stuff, but I, I really do feel like that was just something that was going to happen eventually. It's, it's not like it's pay to win in nature, right? So for me, I don't hate that they put stuff there, even though we already have a sub in game, all of it just feels kind of optional. I wish a lot of stuff was more account wide because that I do think is a little yeah, bit yeah. sketch. Yeah. Like Certainly. the hairstyles and things, but like the rest of it, I'm like, it's fine. However, in the case of this mount, uh-huh. I don't know why this one isn't in game. I'm gonna be real about it. I mean, I I'm not either. like that angry. I'm not like, you know, going to lambast Square Enix about it, but it is really weird to me when an iconic mount especially in a game where you can earn those mounts usually from running that content. And like this iconic thing is affiliated with some kind of achievement or something you've done in the game. This felt really weird to get it on the cash shop. Like really strange. I would have almost rather, I don't know, had them replace the Morble mount from Blue Mage, right. you know, Alexander achievements with this one and then like put Morble on. I don't, I don't know. It just- something. It's just kind of weird, you know? Yeah. I, I agree that I think that it should have been in the game. But I just, I don't have any qualms about buying it from the shop because I like the game, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, like it, at least as far as cash shops are concerned, I don't really mind paying a company for a game that I like more. I can do that. And if doing that gets us better servers or even just lines their pockets, that's fine. Whatever, Chris I don't Chaser care. is actually there to yeah. pay for all of the servers that they can't afford right now because uh, Look, computer pieces are expensive. <laughs> I keep thinking about this. The next fan fest, trying to get to the next fan fest with all these new players who want to go to this next fan fest, they got to go to a very big location. And if me buying Cruise Chaser means we get more people there, which it doesn't directly, I know that I'm not under any illusions. But if things like that do help them, then that's fine. Now, I wish it wasn't Cruise Chaser, you know? Like, I wish it was something else. I would have bought that, too, if it was cool. Like, if there was just a recolor of the one we could earn in the game, that'd be fine, you know? But... Yeah, yeah. I want it. I haven't bought it mm. yet. I definitely want it. I I just look at it and I go, 30 bucks is a little yeah. much for a digital item that I will no longer own in 15 years. Yeah. It's, it's so to I'm going to wait till it goes on sale. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, that's a good individual. way to do it. And a lot of people have been giving them away. I mean, it's funny because right. I feel like in 14 mounts, I, w I don't want to say get away with being priced higher because they're account wide, but they do. Sure. I, yeah. I think, you know, to an extent where it's like, oh, it's almost a luxury that you can get this thing and it's account wide. Whereas in many other MMOs, every single thing you buy on the cash shop is automatically account wide. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it is always like like I said, I don't care about the cash shop per se. It's those like weird little hangups. And I mean, yeah, I, I see in chat, you know, Adamain mentions um, that not everybody would be able to get it if it was right. locked behind savage content. True. And uh, it's so tough because I agree I agree when it comes to especially Blue Mage stuff, because that stuff doesn't necessarily, like, mm. unsynced running of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. But, you know, it, it is one of those things where, like, now you can retroactively go back and farm old stuff to get mounts, and it's pretty easy. A lot of stuff you can even solo, right? Mm -hmm. So even if they had, like, added it in as some sort of bonus, or they'd added in new sets of achievements leading into the expansion to give us something else to do, and they were like, hey, if you go back and revisit these and you do X, Y, or Z, then you can get this mount. Like, I think... There are ways to still make it accessible, but also make it something that you earn in game and like these kinds of mounts as being earnable in some way, shape or form, whether it's farming gill 
or you know a technical skill is not something that's unusual to right. Final Fantasy XIV, you know, yeah. and especially when the mount is of a raid boss, yeah, and right. one that was that's like hugely thing. iconic, you know, yeah. like in in specifically the case of this one. Almost mm -hmm. not in the case of like anyone else that I can think of. There probably are, yeah. but in specifically in the case of this one, I do feel like people who did the Savage content are going to have more of a connection to this particular thing. Mm -hmm. Not that yeah. other people can't want it because it's really cool. It's a freaking like Gundam thing, and then it's like a weird airship doodle guy. It's 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 right. cool. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like I said, I just wish this version of it was in the game and then there was some blingy cash shop version or something, you know, a red one because it's Gundam, so the red one goes three times faster, you know what I mean? Like, that'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. I'd buy that one too, but <laughs> you'd be able to get it in-game. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, I probably get it, yes. I mean, because mm -hmm. like you said, I like supporting this game and, I mean, at least it is a two-person mount and right. I think it's nice that there's that little, you know, bonus on it, I guess. That usually is maybe more reserved for cash shop or really special events or, you know, now I guess we have a couple uh, multi-seater mounts that come from Savage and things, right? So it's like, I don't mind it. I, of course, don't hate the game. I don't hate that they're trying to earn the, more income to mm -hmm. put towards the game. I'm like, yeah. that's fine. Not until they start putting pay to win or right. like we get 20 new items every month that end up going on a mm -hmm. rotating cycle. Like... That's one of those things where, you know, creating this, like, well, you only Random have a boxes. to get it, get it, get it. Or, like, loot boxes. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I really don't think 14's cash shop is abusive, especially compared to many others. The fact that basically everything stays in there year-round. You can get it and earn it and buy it at some point. You can gift stuff to your friends. None of it is pay to win. Like, when you compare it to other games, it's really not bad. But, yeah, the choice on this one did feel strange. Right. I, I didn't... I don't know. Like, honestly, it's it's been interesting because, like I mentioned, those achievements, you know, in Guild Wars 2 recently, they are prepping for a new expansion as well. And they, uh, they have a much smaller team and more limited resources. Right. So rather than doing something like, you know, we're going to have all this content coming out, they added in bonus achievements to go back and do the equivalent of, like, New Game Plus, where, like, now if you go in and you do these instances, there's little things you can try to work towards, and you can earn these special rewards. And I feel like this would have been such a clever thing for 14 mm. to do with the delay with the expansion, where it's like, oh, we do have these really in-demand mounts and things, um, and maybe because we don't have time to make new content right now or, you know, additional patches and stuff, what we could do is, like, encourage people to do New Game Plus or, you know, run alongside new players or... Right. It just would have been nice to see it be something, I don't know, affiliated with that where... Yeah, you just uh, you felt like it was something that mattered and, and came from in-game because it's iconic mm -hmm. to the in-game experience, but it's not that big of a deal. Right. C'est la vie. Uh, and then our last teeny bit of news is uh, that the Shadowbringers original soundtrack is available on a various streaming services. So if you have a Spotify account, it's up there now. Mm -hmm. um, Go listen to To yeah. the Edge over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on loop. Mm-hmm. Mm Soken tweeted it out himself, like, hey, guys, check it out. Are you happy now? <laughs> yes, Soken. You know, I Thank hate you. when indie bands just spam us with, like, their their, uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> their band camp links. Come on, man. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love you. And that will bring us into our interview, if I can get my computer to wake up. All right. 
this mm. interview, as I mentioned earlier, is with uh, Bon Ryota, who is the lead story designer of Final Fantasy XIV, if you are unaware. Uh, now that you're aware, keep that name in your mind forever. Yes. Very important man. Koji Fox's boss makes all yes. of the cool lore stuff in the game. Uh, and this interview is from 4Gamer, so uh, credit where credit is due. Let's see. Let's just skip right to the questions. Like, meanie, meanie persons. Okay. Yeah. Um, I noticed... Oh, these are actually questions uh, that they asked for from the community at large. So these are semi-random questions from just people who go to the 4Gamer website. They are all amazing. Yes. They're actually pretty good <laughs> stuff in here. These uh, were no super good questions. I was angry that we hadn't thought of any of these for our most recent interview. <laughs> we need to start a list and just throw stuff in there as it comes to us. Because whenever they're like, hey, can we have some questions right now? I'm like, can't think of anything. I definitely thought of something two weeks ago and it's gone from my brain now. Oh, well. I just don't I just don't ask summoner questions because then it would be a, a, like four pages of summoner questions. So I don't want to. <laughs> there was an answer about Phoenix, yes. though. Did you yes, see? Yes, I saw. Uh -huh. yep. All right. So the first question is, I noticed that coffee biscuits were recently brought up in the story. Are these the biscuits that the Warrior of Light made for the Guild Leaf? And Oda says, I'm happy to hear that people are reading the Guild Leaf flavor text. I would say that the person who made the coffee biscuits mentioned in the story might depend on how many times you, the Warrior of Light slash Darkness, have completed the Guild Leaf. A cookie for your troubles. Keep that in mind. A cookie for your troubles if you want to see this thing that he's about to mention. Uh, so he says, let's imagine how things would go. If you turn in the, the leaf one time. Uh, Hanji Fei, the owner of the second serving, sticks her nose in the batch of biscuits you delivered, takes a deep breath. And that's it. That's ten times, enough, right? Yes, ten times. Once again, Hanji Fei buries her face in the mound of biscuits you delivered, takes another deep, deep breath. Nothing else happens. Too bad. One hundred times, because people do do this for the achievements, you guys. Congratulations, your coffee biscuits have finally reached the storefront. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of times. Rian Gaia and even Yashola have enjoyed them. Uh, now, if you're the type of person who bought coffee biscuits at the second serving to complete the guild leave, Hanji Fei has made a small fortune from the margin and also has used it to buy even more sweets for herself. Oh my, what a way to uh, dynamize the city's economy. This guy thinks about stuff real deep, guys. I mean, how many people are going to do it a hundred times just to know that Yastola has noticed them? Um, I'm sorry. <sighs> Uh, notice me, Senpai. Yes, uh -huh. please. Uh, many of us, I would say 90% yeah. of the entire Final Fantasy XIV player base would like Ishola to turn around and look at them and be like, oh, you made those biscuits? Yeah, they were all right. Because then your life, your life achievements would be met. Yep. You'd be like, I am good now. I don't need to do anything else in this game ever. I finished it. Achievement. There you go. Right then. That's good. I wonder how many more people will, like, how, how popular is this quest going to be now? I just want to see uh, someone do, like, Runar baking cookies. Someone, please. Some fan artist somewhere. Please. That would be, be so, so adorable. Cute. And you know he would. He is that type of man. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. He, he just, oh my gosh. And, like, he has to catch you when you come visit the first two to be like, will you take these back with you, please? Because she's not there anymore. Right. Oh, my God. Why do you do this to me? My heart has softened. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having feelings. I don't like it. I uh, know. Welcome to 14, like we just said. Yeah, right? 
You got tears in your face? Not anymore. They're all gone. You've cried them all. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, next question is, what is most important for you when creating world lore or a story? Is there anything you use for reference when creating lore? This is a long answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oda says, pragmatically speaking, we have to take the story's medium into consideration and through that lens, take a hard look at its intended audience and its purpose. Uh, 14 is a game, which means that the story itself is not the final product. Various elements like character models, backgrounds, animations, music, sound effects, visual effects, quests, cutscenes, battles, etc. are necessary to bring the story to life. This means we also have to be mindful of whether the story and all related elements can be realized within our game's design and schedule limitations. Plus, we need to synchronize everything with the player's game experience. Take the healer role quest, for example. These are targeted toward players who play as healers. Therefore, it's important to incorporate some form of healing into the actual quest. No. I just take a second. Oh, no. <laughs> I would take a second. Yeah. Because it's funny. Oda, this is, I mean, it's so interesting, right? Because there's so many, like Oda himself is saying, there are so many different mm -hmm. pieces that have to come together for realizing this kind of stuff, right? And I'm sure that a lot of the narratives and things do structure around what the encounters team and everybody else are doing, right? As they work on like the duty instances and all sorts of stuff that go into these quests. And yet it's very funny to hear Oda specifically mention this when it has been fairly recently as of Stormblood that I think they really did seem to acknowledge the idea of roles being part of right. the player mentality, right? Because mm -hmm. even, I mean, Thinking back, some of the different role quests like we've critiqued do really seem to cater towards what is this type of class and what would I want fantasy-wise from this experience that I'd be envisioning for it. And then there's other ones where you're like, what were you thinking when you wrote this quest? Like, it's yeah. nothing to do with anything about the fantasy of this, this actual class. Like, mm -hmm. And I feel like because of player feedback, that has become something that over time we've seen more reflected to some degree. And like, they're right. definitely still Im improving on it. Um, and I'm sure that like when the story gets written again, it may be, it may, it might even take things into consideration that when it's then merged with all the other elements change or, or something like that. But it is interesting to hear him say that particularly as a healer who didn't get the option to heal anyone in cutscenes mm -hmm. until Stormblood. <laughs> right. Oh man. So many times you're like, Hey, but, I did this one quest that told me exactly the answer to this. Ah, uh, well, I guess I can't say that. You know, like, I'm thinking of, like, uh, knowing more about Astinian as a Dragoon. You know, things like that. That they did a little bit, don't get me wrong. Like, Astinian greets you differently, depending on if you're the Azure Dragoon or not, when you see him in Heaven's Word. Um, which is really awesome. But, like, we as players want to see way more of that. Like, the one expansion for WoW that everyone was like, hey, it was good was Legion, and they really tripled down on your class, right, and what it meant. Like, I am a paladin, so I am in this order hall with these other paladins, and we have this shared experience. Like, yeah. that's what we want. Even though in this game, you can play everything, and yeah. we love the hell out of that. Oh, uh, yes. There's still, everybody has, like, a job or two that's just, like, near and dear to your heart. So mm -hmm. being given those little little tidbits about the job and, and being able to excel even in quests and it is is really important and it's it's good that they are aware of that 
Yeah. Yeah, especially when you see the success of it. Like, when you think of the Dark Knight quests and how mm. many people played through those, and mm. they were like, Dark Knight is now what I feel the most connection to, and that will be my main or my character main or my, you know, IC main or... Um, because I think that just goes to show that, like, even in a game where you can play all the different classes and you might have different connections to each of them, when we're playing that, especially in a Final Fantasy game where the classes themselves are iconic and oftentimes harken back, not always, but oftentimes harken back to other characters, classes, and experiences that we have a deep connection to, it's really neat to, like, get more of that in a story. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, we definitely see where it shines in the game and sometimes maybe where early on they were still sort of figuring out that players maybe wanted that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, then he says, when thinking about crafting gathering beast tribe quests, we should take into consideration the characteristics of the beast tribe, as well as ensure that the story uh, revolves around having the player craft and gather in the game. Yes. Mm. Uh, written media, such as short stories and picture books, on the other hand, have much fewer limitations. We can have the story take place in regions not yet implemented in 14, so long as we can uh, put in an illustration or a screenshot. We can even make characters eat dried squid by using a squished up Kraken model. <laughs> okay. Uh, however, we still need to make sure uh, that we are focused on appropriate themes and topics. This depends on whether we are writing a short story for the fans or a picture book for children who do not know about uh, 14. Nah, that's what it says. That children yeah. who do not know about 14 might read. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, sure, there are a few limitations, but the purpose and target of the story are still very important. I like are that he mentions the, the children's book. Is the Namazu yeah. book coming out? Isn't yeah. that a children's book? I think so. I think so, yeah. So they're, like, they're getting them while they're young. Yeah, and the side <laughs> stories, right? Yeah. Like, that yeah. set of side stories that we got, and it can be kind of tough if, I mean, again, we have so many new players coming into the game, so let this be your little herald. There are side stories that they write mm -hmm. and release online and that you can read, uh, be they post-Shadowbringers or various ones that they've had throughout. So there's definitely a lot of good ones to actually get in there and read if you're curious about the lore. And then there's also the lore books themselves, which... I mean, it's really interesting to see them even now as we look ahead to Endwalker and we're actually going to Charlian. I always say Sherlion, but sometimes people get me in the comments about it. Yeah. So Charlian. <laughs> uh, but now that we're going there and, uh, you know, even like those of us, when we had our book open on stream and we were all reacting, watching, you know, the uh, mm -hmm. stuff with the fan fest and going, okay, let's look up their dad. Oh, there's the twins dad. There's so much stuff and they've grown into it and really kind of expanded. And yet it's so interesting to me that especially the lore books, like there's a lot of stuff that they still just use for the foundation of story. Even if at the time it was something that we hadn't been to or couldn't be realized or um, there's a lot of those little things. And there's even some little nods to the stuff in the short stories that you'll see in game here or there, like the squid thing or, you know. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And okay, the thing that stands out to me the most from the short stories and maybe shouldn't, but... Um, hmm. A lot of people don't like Thancred because they think he's a, a big fat himbo. Right. But there's a short story. I mean, story he about... is, but himbos are okay. They can be all right. They're usually nice. They, they, <laughs> they judge him so harshly. There's, there's right. a short story specifically about Thancred that ugh, I don't want to like give it away because I want people to go read this short story because it just, my heart. It, it, it shows a side of him that we, we don't really see, I think, up until uh, the stuff with Reen, right? Right. So I just ugh, go read the story. There's there's little tidbits 
of character personality that you just don't get up until even Shadowbringers. And it's good stuff, you guys. It's really good. And if also really, if you like Emmett Selk, read those stories. Yeah, I really would oh. love for them to like get a voiceover artist to do it and put it in the game somewhere. Like you can read them in your oh. in room or something, anything. Right? So you can I just wish. go. Honestly, I'm surprised they haven't put them into like mm. I'm surprised there's they don't unlock, you know, like you finish Shadowbringers and then a set right. of short stories unlocks and you can like read them at your journal in the in-room. Because it's always like anytime you have content or um stuff that's expanding on the world that is outside the interactive medium that players are in every you know every day you're always running the risk that a huge portion of the population of that game especially new players will never find it yep. will never have any idea that it exists and it would be so nice mm -hmm. to connected it especially because i mean like we said some of them actually do matter like some of them do actually, I think, have fairly large either lore oh, reveals yeah. or connotations or character beats. Uh, uh, maybe someone could put on a stage play. I mean, we have those yeah. in the game. I would love to see that too. <laughs> True. <laughs> We're calling you out. Oh. We're calling you out. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, to harken back to the lore books, uh, I believe mm -hmm. right now they are planning on doing a second run of both of them, and they're taking pre-orders. So. so. If you're new and really into the lore, or you're an older player that didn't get them because they sold out, now's your chance. I remember being at, um, I want to say, the second fan fest, mm -hmm. being in the line, and being told there are only 10 more lore books left, yeah. and being like, I have to get through this line. Oh my god, <laughs> I have to get through this line. Ah. But it's good, though. And... and I think that for, I'm this. I could be pulling this out of my ass, but I believe Koji mentioned that they weren't sure how well the lore books would sell, and right. he was like, "No, no, please, let's let's go out on a limb here." And then they they sold out, so he he was pleased. Yep. Mm. Continue proving them right, so we get a yes. third one. And yes, please, please call it Encyclopedia Novrod, please. Oh. As as again a first stan, I am. That's okay. Uh, yeah, give me one of those. I want to know more about the history. Yes. All right. Uh, that that question we got through. Third question. Mm -hmm. Do you have any references or anything that inspires you when writing? Uh, do mm. you read up on literature like the Bible, the classics, or myths? Mm -hmm. uh, Oda says many things influence me. Too many to narrow down. When writing the main story of Heaven's Word, for example, I looked into how the fantasy series A Song of Ice and Fire and the simulation mm -hmm. RPG Tactics Ogre, uh, let's, let us cling together, were created. Mm -hmm. The former apparently referenced the Wars of the Roses and the la uh, latter drew upon historical ethnic conflicts like the Yugoslav Wars for its themes. The methodology of how these stories were created helped me write Heaven's Word. I also read through the Bible back when I was still in school, and during my university years, I studied philosophy and ideology, which were my interests at the time. I never thought I would be making games, let alone writing scenarios, but I guess you never know what will come in handy. I try yeah, to consume yeah. anything and everything I find interesting by default, but I also try to get into things that other people recommend to me. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire, for example, was recommended to me by Kenichi Iwao, who was my predecessor as lore, world lore creator. I also read Aho Resha, uh, a railway traveler's journal 
which was the initial inspiration for the Namazu quest because my wife recommended it. Right. It's so, I love it. yeah, anytime you see a reference in the game, it could be from the thing that you think is from because apparently he reads everything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> writers are just people who write. So it's like, I always love the inspiration questions because I don't know how a writer would ever answer that, you know? Like, because even as like, just a DM, a small time one, and you know anybody who's run D and D knows that you don't even remember what inspired inspired you to do some of those things, and you're like, oh, I'm going to take this and this and that and put it all together. So it's like I'm always impressed when people can remember all the, you know, that's why he says too many to narrow down. Like I don't know how you could remember it all. Yeah, I mean, when you draw from so many other things, like. I mean, there's this idea that like everything creative has already been done, right? And of mm -hmm. course, I don't think that that necessarily says right. that um, you can't be original in a sense, right? But even when, you know, I went to acting school and stuff like that, people were always saying all the time, like, go out, watch other performers, steal mm -hmm. things from them that you find interesting, techniques, ways they've connected, get all of these different things together and then merge them and bring yourself to it as well so that you create something new. And I love it because, I mean, there are obviously certain things in 14 where we see that maybe the, um, uh, like, you know, regional, oh, what is it? The team that Koji Fox heads up, the... Oh, localization? Yes, localization team will, like, translate things in a sense that's a reference. So, like, we have various things that are literal references to A Song of Ice and Fire. And yet, there's also the entire story of Heavensward, where, yeah, I mean, not only do you have dragons, but this idea of, like, um, political struggles mm -hmm. and religious factions and nobility and inheritance and a forgotten past that, you know, uh, perhaps has huge connotations for the future and all these different themes like you can absolutely see in there and you can see in um, something like Heavensward. And yet there's also this just like completely original stamp on it that, you know, is the culmination of the writing team and all of their own inspirations and everything else that they drew from uh, that, you know, gives you a very different feel. And that's one thing I've always really appreciated about 14's expansions. The fact that each one seems to have its own feel and flair and inspiration, as opposed to trying to make everything uniform in this sense of, like, sameness. Like, I can't imagine the game now if they had decided to be like, oh, yeah, that gothic fantasy dragon stuff worked good, so we'll do that for every expansion. Yeah. It'll all be, like you know, high houses, nobility struggles. And it's like, of course, you still see bits and pieces here or there, but mm -hmm. I love how diverse the inspiration of the world is. There would definitely be some people who were like, yes, but I think yeah. overall people would be like, boy, we sure do need a change. Um, I, the way you phrase it, uh, nothing, if, okay, when, like when you said you were in uh, class and they were like, if you see something else someone else is doing, make it your own. Uh, we talk mm -hmm. about this all, all the time uh, about, content creation on right. the web it just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean you can't do something similar and make it your own so it's yeah. that's everywhere you know it's yeah. funny that we uh talked about that right before we got the influx of people to 14 and with people come content creators you know mm -hmm. a lot of wow's you know top 20 top 30 people have hopped over and it's like good great like they're gonna have a different view on it and we're all going to be in the same area and learn from each other and you know that's make me something funny to watch really yeah exactly it's really <laughs> really cool that um you know we see that in the community right now too yeah and of course like it can be 
intimidating or mm -hmm. you know sometimes when you see a community or space that you know you've really loved start to shift or mm -hmm. change right it can it can create worries and there's like a much bigger discussion we could have sure. all about this that would be right. like a whole other podcast <laughs> i but really like, want to talk about it one day but i i agree i think that always having more influences more people um mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing in and of itself and you know as long as we continue to maintain the core tenets of our community and the space that we want to see in the game right that's mm -hmm. what matters because those other people will get rolled into it. They will yep. join it. They will maybe bring something new, but it's not like everything's going to get ruined forever so long as we continue to create a space that we want to see in the game. And mm -hmm. I think a big part of that is welcoming it in and also realizing that like the game itself has changed and reflected based off of not only media, but other MMOs and all sorts of things, you know? It's it's interesting to hear this from Oda, but also right. to, you know, have seen the recent announcements from Yoshida talking about World of Warcraft and how so much of 14 was influenced by World yeah. of Warcraft when they were creating it. Yeah, um, he said that so from the it's beginning. Like, yeah. yeah. It was, I think it's, it's neat. Like, it, hasn't, it wasn't a thing he was trying to keep a secret since the beginning. He, he would tell us that, that WoW was uh, a big influence on the team there and, and they respected them and we shouldn't, we shouldn't do the whole Xbox PS2 thing, right? PS2. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, are you going to build a bridge without ever seeing another bridge? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, you're going to play yeah. another MMO. You should. Like, you better. Uh, that is part of the problem with 1.0. I'm not going to get on that soapbox, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> That was not the prevailing sentiment at the time, and you can see it. So, so to bring it back around, mm -hmm. I'm actually really interested in this answer because yeah, this guy's been mentioned since 1.0. Uh, we see uh, Terrison de Zamel in the mm -hmm. game, but have yet to meet the current Count Zamel. Maybe it's just that I haven't found him yet. But will he make an appearance in the future, or is there some reason we cannot meet him? I'm dying to find out. Me too. Good you question. Know, us giraffes are really stealthy. Yeah, he's probably oh, a ninja somewhere. Yeah. yeah, they hide. Back in the original uh, 14, we had a questline about the Zamel Darkhold that featured the former Count's men. The house probably suffered financially due to its failure to complete the Darkhold. <laughs> However, House Zamel uh, is known for its architectural prowess and has built many a castle in its time. Maybe the Count is leading the construction of the residential areas of Fishguard. Wouldn't that be cool? Why? Maybe, maybe he'll Why be. Why do they call like, it the Dark Hole? I don't. It's dark in there. That seems it's, like it's bad a, luck. It's a hold. It's like a keep, but it's underground. It's a hold. It's dark. Hold on, hold on. Let's see. Uh, hold on. Let's uh -huh. see. <laughs> that was like a pun I made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> take a look. Uh, it was meant to be a refuge for those fleeing the flames of the Dravanian, hor uh, Dravanian Horde. Maybe Darkhold? This would be my just guess looking mm -hmm. at it. It could be, like, obviously, when you have a hold or, like, a hold fast, that's, like, a place where, you know, people are, like, gathering, living. Right. It, it's protective. It like could just be that because it was, yeah, like a garrison, because it was kind of built in caves, and they were, yeah. like, utilized with this sort of uh, natural cave system that it could have been called dark hold because it was in the dark it was in a cave system <laughs> but i mean like um, architects don't even build a 13th floor like call don't call it the dark hold if you don't want bad things to happen in it i mean yeah saying. it's like they were just asking for void scent to get all up in there <laughs> like, well it's like you, you have an imp looking for real estate and they see oh dark hold now that sounds that sounds homey you know <laughs> that sounds like just the place i'd love to move in there come on man 
I like, it's interesting. Um, um uh-huh. oh, sorry. I was going to say here as I was reading Gamer Escapes yeah. entry about Zemael Darkhold. Um, one thing oh. they do mention here is, uh, okay. So they immediately abandoned their plans and withdrew from the subterranean, sealing it off so that they might contain the otherworldly invaders within the void scent. Despite mm-hmm. all this, the house is unwilling to relinquish its claim to the caves and believes that if they can be cleared of the void scent, they might still be able to see their original plan brought to fruition. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe someday if we have a revisit to all the world's, uh, you yeah. know, new plots, they'll do something where they finally reclaim it. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, dark hold hard, you know? Did they not tell them that we cleared that out already? Come on. I- you would hope somebody would have passed yeah. the memo yeah. on, right? Yeah. I mean, I know there was like dragons and stuff going on, but you got to you got to tell them. <laughs> like we got paid uh, though, so I don't really care all that much. That three hundred gil. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think this is really interesting. Um, that possibly, maybe question mark. Uh-huh. Uh, when they get into the housing quests for when we finally get our Ishgard houses, maybe we'll see uh the the count mentioned because mm-hmm. i feel like in the past people have asked about certain characters guys um uh-huh. and that lets people that lets the team know that these are the characters we care about these are the characters we mm-hmm. want to know about and see again and it in turn like pins them up on a little board like remember that guy well we'll stick mm-hmm. him in something later right so, so I can't always wait to, ask where they are yeah i can't wait to yeah. learn more about this i i want to know more about ishgard you have mm. been up on your hill, sealed up forever. You're finally open. Tell me all of your secrets. You're right. It's funny because I, oh my gosh, there's just still, there's so much. Like I was just recently looking into Ishgard and then I was looking into um, like the Dravanian Forelands and Hinterlands. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up further and I saw Farreach and I was like, oh my God, yeah. Farreach exists to the north. Where the hell's guard are from? There's a whole place there we've never even seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it is astonishing how much of the world there still is. And I mean, even yes, yeah, just in Ishgard, there's a lot of stuff that we know about, but that we haven't necessarily seen. Um, I would mm. even love to see more of the old settlements that the Elizen were chased out of by the Dravanian Horde. Right. Um, you know, the the old villages and cities that have been completely abandoned that may have once been part of the larger Ishgardian nation, I guess. Although it's more mm-hmm. of like a city-state now because of what happened. It'd just right. be really neat. I'm just into it. Gelmora? Like, come on. There's just yeah. so much. Tell us One all day. things. Um... Question, I think, five. Uh, when exactly? Yeah, question this one. When exactly did the Heaven's Word become enthralled? Sir Zephyrin designated uh, those with exceptional abilities as members when he became the Archimandrite. Was he tempered Gesundheit. at this point? Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, is that a real word? That's probably a real word. I don't know. Maybe it's Archimandrite. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, makes more sense. Okay, uh, good Ola luck says, with the next bit. Oh, oh, I can do this. I can do. I believe this. in you. So many French words. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> after for- you read it now. After former heavens <laughs> word, uh, our commandrite Sir Vandro de Rochemond retired. Zephyrin was chosen as <laughs> our commandrite and was allowed to designate the new members of the heavens ward. The knights were turned when all 12 were granted an audience with the archbishop for the first time. Ooh, actual mm. knowledge in that one. 
Keep yeah. in mind that becoming temperate does not necessarily mean that the individual loses all of their memories and characteristics. The archbishop, in particular, could not risk the populace becoming suspicious of his actions, so he didn't fully cook the Knights of the Heavens word into mindless tempering. <laughs> opting to keep them as rare instead. Not fully cooked, rare. Uh, mm. Thus, they were not puppets that did nothing but repeat words of worship, but he nevertheless ensured that they would obey his orders and never betray him. This is the difference between him and the other primals like Ifrit, who preferred their tempered well done. Mm -hmm. uh, people I... of Eorzea, you are steaks. Yeah. Yipes. <laughs> yeah, pretty this, great. One's, this one's interesting. I mean, it's obviously a reflection of how the scope and scale and understanding of the game have changed, right? Mm -hmm. Which, honestly, I think is fine. Um, it was interesting because Moose, who does our lore casts with us, actually followed up on this with a few other instances in the past where they had, like, talked about tempering, and particularly in regards to um, these, this group, the, the 12 mm -hmm. here. Um, they talked a little bit in, like, an, an excerpt about Sir Grino the Bull, who was formerly a member of House Zemael, funnily enough, huh. and uh, how he himself, you know, because of his kind of headstrong and willful nature, was tempered to sort of, you know, be more like, oh yeah, if he falls out of line, I'll just bless him and then I'll guarantee his loyalty uh, mm. by tempering. Or um, these like little snippets and tidbits talking about the possibility in the past of the tempering and or how we would understand it. And now, as we've seen with a whole bunch of other stuff in the game, um, the idea of like variance, and particularly in relation to the Asians, which I think mm -hmm. this is a big one because we've talked about it a lot in Lorecast, the idea of how tempered are the Asians? Why could Emmett Selk act to some degree with his own will? Uh, we also saw this recently with, um, my head's just saying Ratatoska right now, but Tiamat, we saw that recently yeah. with Tiamat. Um, and the idea that there are degrees of tempering or that people with strong wills may have more of an inherent resistance or mm -hmm. that, you know, primals may choose to exert some level. And this idea that, you know, he was playing, Thornton was playing this longer game and, mm -hmm. you know, decided to sort of use the power of faith without having to explicitly use the power of faith through something like tempering, um, you know, completely to sort of trick the people into, you know, thinking that he and his knights were still, you know, free agents, and they were doing this all for the best of everyone, you know? Right. So I think it's cool. I'm glad that they have continued to evolve, and I don't I don't know. I don't think lore always has to be 100% the same thing always, as long as there is consistency in the world. And I think some of these things that maybe we've grown to reflect greater understanding on, to me it right. feels as though, like, not only is that just a growth in the game, but also, I mean, there are times and periods in this game where I think the world's understanding of tempering was more in line with those original ideas and yeah, most characters exactly. For thought sure. that. So to mm -hmm. now get clarification doesn't feel like backtracking to me. It feels more no. like we've learned a lot. You know, it's yeah. changed. Yeah. It's a discovery. I've always I've always wanted to see a less primal primal. A primal with, you know, intelligence and cunning. Because tempering has you know, they can choose to do it. Like if it chose to temper those people at that point in time, could have done it earlier. So, like, an actual cunning primal that was summoned and then left to its own devices? Oh, man, that'd be interesting to see. Like, tempering people behind the scenes. It's you know, a, a, a yeah. real Hail Hydra moment for 14? It'd be Yay! weird and interesting. 
Oh, that's such a good point, especially following on the heels of everything that's happening right now right. with the towers and lunar stuff, right? Where this is so overt, and it's like, um, obviously, we know, sorry, overt, uh, obviously, we know that, like, the tempering is happening, so we can just correct it. But if you didn't know right. that somebody's will had been compromised, you know, and they weren't so tempered that you would be like, oh, yeah, just take that tempering pill. The pig will give, the pig will give it to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> tempering that would be pill. a much more subversive and interesting thing. Piter, piter. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, uh, you need some aloe to soothe the burn to get untempered. Yeah, exactly. A little bit, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to have steak for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> also, I looked up this word, and I'm going to have the internet tell us how to say it. Archimandrite. Archimandrite. That's how you say it. Archimandrite. Thanks, okay. internet. Thanks, Google. I'm trying <laughs> to remember if it was this one. Hold on. I'm skipping ahead a little bit because I was just curious. Oh, it's all good. If this was the one that made me think of it or if it was something else. There are no um, rules. Fusion's not here. <laughs> <gasps> Don't say that. He's listening. <laughs> I mean... Tempering as a whole is just very interesting. And I personally have always had a fairly big interest in um, Isale as a character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if, my, if my silver dyed hair wouldn't tell you that I'm all into the white haired, silver haired characters, then it, it, let me just go ahead and lay that Rook. out for you. <laughs> so like all of the scions, except for the Lalafell? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I mean, Thancred is a himbo, but I say yeah, that with know. love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even if he's maybe one of my least favorites. But um, Isale. Isale has always been something. Isale, the artificial echo, and or how, um, how our blonde boy has used it at this point with things like Shinryo, right? I have always been really fascinated in this particular aspect. And when you kind of pair this idea of tempering being in stages, but then also Oda talking about, and I'm not sure if it's later in this interview or if this is something else that I saw recently. So I'm just going to talk about it now because I think it's a good point. Um, him talking about the idea of people with the echo having, or like a strong will, having resistance to tempering has mm -hmm. been something that's always been really interesting to me because Isale herself died thinking that she was corroded. Like, that her own will was corrupt, and that she had turned herself into a monster serving, like, a the false deity, essentially, right? But mm -hmm. it's really fascinating and also really tragic to me that it seems like the more we get about tempering and about those with the Echo who can wield the power of these kinds of summons or um, make use of them, it makes me so sad that it seems like she probably was not. Like, because mm -hmm. she herself had the Echo, um, it seems as though she probably had control of that transformation in a way that the ancients may have almost had control of it. Right. And I just, like, keep hoping that, like, maybe at some point she'll just come back and they're like, oh, you thought she died, but actually she used no, the no. power of Shiva. Is she good? <laughs> she good. She good. Ugh. But, yeah, yeah. It's like that in her own mind she was possessed by Shiva. Mm. And that's why she thought she was possessed by Shiva. Mm. Right? It was kind of effect. that, Placebo right? Exactly. Effect. Because what are primals but just desire and power on some sort of template like La Habrea making Ifrit? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that side story. By the way, read all the side stories. Um, yeah, it's kind of similar. So in her mind, Shiva was this dominating presence. So she was. It's, it's really interesting. That's why I love the primals of fourteen and really digging into it because each one is so interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. I keep hoping that someday we'll get some sort yeah. of magical girl transformation where we get to wield some kind or turn into some kind of summon. Sure. Oh, it'd just be so neat. But who mm-hmm. knows? We'll see. Maybe Endwalker. <laughs> <laughs> duty action. Even a duty, duty action, action would be Become primal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it'd be so cool. Reject humanity. Become primal. <laughs> uh, return to primal. All right. Next question. I would like to know more about the mark of the Archons. I noticed that the Archons bear the mark in a variety of places, like on both sides of the neck, on a cheek, or the forehead. Is there a rank within the Archons, or something that dictates where the mark goes? Why is Urianche the only one that has the mark on his face, like Louisois and Matoya? Uh, Oda says, There are two designs for the Archons' crests, the official one and a simplified version. Let's take a look at Moonbrita, for example. Get your tears out. Sure. I'm always ready to, to look, take a look at Moonbrita, for example. Yeah, yep. me too, for example. Uh, so the picture they have of Moonbrita shows that she has two tattoos. The Archon can uh, choose... Let's see. Oh, the mark on her leg is the official crest, and the one on her neck is simplified. Uh, the one on the leg, just for everybody listening and not watching or not having a reference... Uh, it has, like, two florally things on the side and an eye up in the center middle and, like, a little triangle pointing downward. So it's a lot of detail in that one. And the one up on her neck is just more of, like, a half flourish of that with no eye. Uh, each archon can choose whether they would like to bear one or both as well as where to put it. It seems like a bold choice for Urianche to have it right on his face, but perhaps what he really wanted was to have it on his forehead, like his respected mentor, Louisois. So that's cool. Yeah. It's neat. It's nice that yeah. they get to pick. Like, it's, it's even yeah. like a, a weird extra little personality quirk in that case, almost. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been a lot of, lot of talk and speculation about right. the full version of it, like the yeah. eyeball version, and or possible relations to like various zodiac designs or, mm-hmm. you know. And it's funny because even when we were looking at the trailers, um, I had mentioned that when we were looking at Thavnair and Radzat Han, there's this eye imagery that you mm-hmm. keep seeing, mm-hmm. which at the time I was like, oh, I think it's because uh, they have something to do with Oh, I, every single time I forget their name, the one-eyed void scent uh, that float around Arimon. that have Arimons. Arimon, yeah. I, I was like, I think it's because there's something about like the Arimon that seems to play a role in mm-hmm. their culture. Can I was like, I think that might be it. Just point out mm-hmm. that Koji, his chosen uh, animal yeah. thing from 14 to represent him is the Arimon. <laughs> <gasps> tinfoil hats, tinfoil hats, yes. tinfoil hats. He was yeah. just like... I mean, I want the symbol to be me, okay? And it was like, sure, bro. <laughs> you can't stop me. It's really interesting. I don't know. Right. I mean, I don't know if it'll actually end up being anything specific. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of an open eye can also, you know, evoke the idea of seeing clearly, the idea of you right. know, perceiving something, yeah. which I think ties into the idea of wisdom. And mm-hmm. But it's... It does seem kind of it does seem kind of like there's a lot of that imagery happening. And I'm curious about how right. it might tie into something, especially with us going to Charlian now. Yeah, it's it cool is always... that you've go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you. Uh, I, I was just gonna say that it always reminds me of uh, a D and D deity Denier, whose icon is an eye and a candle uh, lined up. Uh, and it's a god of knowledge, you know, it's just that kind of knowledge illumination type of thing. Hmm. 
I was just going to say it's cool that uh, with the the mention of, of this tattoo, we are getting the eye imagery in both of the significant places we've been told about for Endwalker. So, yep. Uh, you might have to include the eye in your Nautilus-themed... Uh, ah. You know, research Eyeballs there. and not a lie. Yeah. Not a lie. Sorry, I'm really making a lot of really bad jokes today, and I'm so sorry. Nothing, I'm so sorry, everybody. Please forgive me. <laughs> it's okay. All right. I have a question about Namazu's speech. In the Japanese version of the game, they use the expressions like uh, that. So it's like a hyphen. So it's like the end of something. Peyo and Goyape which seem to be based on the dialect used in uh, Ibaraki, Japan. Uh, are they written to speak in the Ibaraki dialect? Uh, just for a quick clarification, I looked it up earlier. I Ibaraki dialect uses, um, it's characterized by a dakuten insertion on uh, letters in the Japanese alphabet, which basically means something that normally sounds like ki, sounds like gi instead when you add a, a dakuten to a symbol in uh, specifically a uh, hiragana i think um it changes it from one le letter into another letter another one syllable into another syllable and which can change uh, the meaning of words entirely but uh, i guess in the case of the ibaraki dialect it just sort of because of of the the place where it's from people understand that it's still the same mm -hmm. word and they're just sort of giving it a different uh a sound like uh, maybe comparing uh, an English R to an American R, an A mm -hmm. versus an R. Right. So that explanation aside, <laughs> uh, we weren't going for the Ibaraki dialect, but rather a distinctive way to express emotions. We started with upepe, which uh, led to them ending sentences with peyo and penna, uh, which sounds similar. We have a rule in the style rule in the style guide for our scenario writers that clearly states that the Namazu do not speak in the Ibaraki dialect. Gyoke uh, does use the expression gojape, which mm -hmm. is derived directly from the Ibaraki dialect, but we are using it to emphasize how eccentric that specific character is. It's not a word that all Namazu use. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Little verbal things. It's funny because I, I always think it's fun, even though I don't always get the chance to do it to like look at all of the different version, like language versions of the game. Um, particularly though, in relation back to Japanese, where again there are certain things like this that we just don't get, and mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that we have gotten in the English voice acting cast is, as I always say generic fantasy British accents, which, mm -hmm. which like, I mean, don't get me wrong, is fine. But you even see in some of the, like, unspoken localization sort of text and translated text and things like that, sometimes more idea of different accents, dialects, stuff like that. Like, I think of the Marauders and a lot of the Pirates. They have a very different way where, you know, you lose the Gs at the end of words, having, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting because I would love, I would love in the English to see more variety and texture between the different areas as it is. I just kind of headcanon different regional things or like sure. different, you know, types of speech or, um, there's a lot of references even to like 
before common became a prevalent language in you know Eorzea and beyond, um, many other places had their own languages. So mm -hmm. I would love if we could get more of that at some point, but it's not really that important. It just think I just think it's neat to see how different <laughs> cultures and people speak or how it can reflect something about their nature. Like this yeah. gives us a bit of insight into as far as the the Namazu go, which you get I guess because we get the like yes, yes, kind of mm -hmm. speech patterns and stuff yeah. in English, but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Right. I'm insane, right? I For some reason, I remember languages being a thing in 1.0. But I'm crazy. I'm thinking what of some other game. Like, you could speak in another language. For some reason, I'm thinking that you could, like, you could speak in, in like, like, Gridanian or something like that. I don't remember why I'm remembering that, because I don't think that that's true. Mm-mm. I don't know why. It was, must have been a fever dream. I don't remember most of 1.0. I only paid for a week anyway. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of our peers actually do. Yeah. Uh, like, right. I'm a Garlean. I'm speaking Garlean right now. That's right. what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, which is fun. I think it's fun. I think yeah. it adds a little bit more. Um, I know I see here in the chat, we did have a mention, uh, Gold Stars mentioned that they've been mm -hmm. doing a pretty good job recently, it seems like, of trying to vary up accents. Right. Which I, I agree. But I think some of that has been helped by the fact that we have Viera. And Viera had a very distinctive way of speaking from other games. So we see like a range of voice actors being really good at it. And then some who it's like, did you realize that? I think you're trying the accent, but. Um, and then the beast tribes recently, the, the right. voiced beast tribes that we got, or just tribes, um, those members and representatives, like I mentioned during our little, mm -hmm. our, our review of it, I actually think they did a great job with that. I think some of the characters really did sound distinctive and fun and <laughs> wet and fishy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I liked that. I thought it was cool. Wet and fishy. <laughs> wet <Yep>. and fishy. <laughs> okay, um, Charles, I'm going to need you to hold on to your chair. Just hold on. Sure. Just like calm mm -hmm. down preemptively. Mm -hmm. Keep it together. Take a deep breath. I am Just calm. take a deep breath. Okay. Next question. I can understand how the Warrior of Light can understand, can, wow, can summon Bahamut <laughs> since they were at the Carton of Flats during the seventh Umbral Calamity and came in contact with Bahamut's Aether. When it comes to Phoenix, however, they were teleported to the future just before Luiswa transformed into Phoenix. How can the Warrior of Light call it forth even though they have not been around its Aether? That's wrong. I can already tell you that's wrong. <laughs> uh, and then there's actually a second question. So, so uh, Oda is answering both of these questions. I play as a summoner but sort of feel, feel beholden to Tiamat. She has mentioned that Bahamut's soul and power were profaned by being called forth, and I worry that seeing the Warrior of Light summon him may upset her. Will she eat me alive one day? Mm-hmm. Yes. The hard-hitting questions. Yes. Yep. Uh, Oda says, Louis Wai used Phoenix's power of rebirth to reconstruct the environs destroyed by Bahamut. This caused corrupted crystals to appear all over the renewed Eorzea. Ooh, I didn't know that. Mm. Uh, doesn't the color look familiar? Yes, it does. Uh, that's right, they're the same color as Phoenix. Uh, when Phoenix returned to Aether, said Aether was spread all over Eorzea and embedded within the corrupted crystals. The warrior of light, who passed from Cartano into a realm reborn, uh, unknowingly came into contact with Phoenix's Aether as well. This is why all summoners can call on Phoenix, regardless of whether they have completed the Binding Coil of Bahamut raids. Regarding Tiamat, actually, let's let's talk about that really quick. Sure. I was like, what are you talking about? We've seen Phoenix in the Binding Coil of Bahamut. But right. this whole uh, thing about Phoenix's Aether being the thing that uh, goes into those corrupted crystals, I didn't know at all. That's amazing. Right. I, 
I think that that was a question that we did not know the answer to, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that, but I'm I'm I didn't know that either. Right? And it makes sense, you know. But I definitely didn't know that, so uh, maybe maybe that's really new news. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough again, right? Cuz we talked a little bit about I mean, even today about how it'd be great to have some of this stuff in game. Mm-hmm. Because I have always wondered, especially going through those zones as a new player and you see all these crystal fragments around and especially like right. in parts of, oh, Thanalan, where there's, you know, all of that, like sort of burning descent. Well. The, yeah, yes, the burning like, and, uh, Nim, all the floating yes. Mm-hmm. Nim. Yes. And I was like, this is neat. And I just assumed that it was like, I don't know, shards of Aether from when Bahamut went wild and they all mm-hmm. shot off and tore up the ground and stuff. Um, but I think this is really, I mean, a smart way, whether it's a retcon or not, or whether right. it's an evolution or, you know, whatever, I think this is a really cool way to talk about it. And I think this is one of those moments where, like we've mentioned before, having a summoner job quest that actually revealed that yeah. would be really yeah. cool because it is actually a pretty big thing. And whether right. or not you know it, it is like an ongoing background question. And um, somebody actually brought this up in the chat, and I also, I had Moose's Twitter feed up today mm-hmm. because I, I knew Moose had done a little bit of a breakdown on yep. this. So um, Moose actually was looking at over-aspected like clusters and crystals mm-hmm. in the game and their like little definitions. And so we had on like over-aspected cluster, a large crystalline manifestation of etheric energy exhibiting an extreme elemental charge. When released, the energy has been known to restore the corporeal and spiritual state of those otherwise incapacitated. And these are the like orange crystals mm-hmm. that are in game and, and you can find. And then with like the over-aspected crystal, a crystalline manifestation of etheric energy exhibiting an extreme elemental charge. When released, the energy will enhance the physical and mental capabilities of those in contact with the item. So it's like mm-hmm. it's been there. There's, right. I mean, they've been there, um, and it's kind of interesting because it did make me wonder just how, like, have they known since they re-envisioned 2.0 that yeah. that's right. what those orange crystals were, um, and it's just sort of been in the game without us actually knowing it. Uh, but I, I would like love this to see answer. A yeah, I, I like this answer, but um, so that's why we can do it, but why? If you didn't go to the Binding Coil of Bahamut's, you don't know that Phoenix exists, so how do you summon it? It's still not answering the question, technically. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, Even it's if you like, had a moment where you were like, what's this? <laughs> right. Like, it, I don't I don't really care because it's cool, and it doesn't have to always be in the job quest. We don't need a job quest for every single ability, right? Like, that's not what I'm just saying. Just the but good it's still ones. Like, I mean, sure. But it's just like, they don't even need to answer this. I'm not mad about it. Uh, but it's just like, that's still not... Still doesn't answer the question, though. It's like, where did you learn? You were on the first, and nobody even talked to you about summoning the whole time. So what? It's especially hard with summoner, you know? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of other classes, the abilities that you learn can either be attributed to training, um, whether that's, like, with a master who teaches you a new technique or through your own refinement and creation of new techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many of them, if you have a sword, you just figure out stuff to do with the sword. You know right. what I mean? If you, I mean, of course it's more complicated than that, but you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, if you're a mage, there are different, or, you know, some sort of caster type, there are different ways you might learn through old tomes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. With summoners in particular, it is so difficult because the act and art of summoning, particularly in Final Fantasy, has so much meaning to it like how you encounter and then 
end up acquiring summons in this franchise is like one of the most memorable, right. most intro like it's a huge thing in Final Fantasy, whether they're guardian forces or any other iteration of summons, right? So it's tough because with Summoner in particular, it feels like those abilities, those summons, need to have some kind of actual root. Like, you need to understand what they are and why. Mm -hmm. And yet, I also understand that the team doesn't want everybody right. to feel like Summoner is the golden child exactly. that gets all the special lore, you know? But it's tough because... Just do it. It just, I, mean, it's I don't kind of, know. It's kind of like Blue Mage, you know? The act of learning makes Blue Mage completely different than any other job. And Summoner, the act of learning, if you're going over the entire series, is different every single time. Yeah. So, like, this is just another different one, but I just, I don't know. That's just part of the stuff that I'm missing from those job quests to really get it. Because you could just say, and I'm sure that they will just say, it was in the job stone. Because, you know, most of the time when we do a job quest, we just look at the stone and say, oh, I figured that out. But like, Because the, the knowledge did... is already in there, but that yeah. specific knowledge was not in yeah. there, I imagine. Yeah. Ah, unless the Allegans could have summoned Phoenix, right? They could have done it. It's true. Yeah. It's funny because I almost find myself wishing that kind of like Carbuncles and Eggies, I mean, obviously those are more like mm -hmm. a generic template that, you know, summoners kind of use and inscribe and summon, right? But I almost kind of wish that as a summoner, you'd almost been more like, um, you know, like a creator from the ancient times sort of deal where the summons you had were not like iconic entities. Sure. They were things you just created, right? Like I drew a really special diagram and I put these different yeah. aspects together and then I summoned this thing because then they never have to explain anything. Right. They just be like, I made another another picture. And I it mean, became a giant man. Like, and that would be fine. It'd I mean, that's fine. what Arcanus is about, right? It's their arc anima, their pages that have diagrams that make the magic, you know, and they could be constructs. I don't know which way I would I would like better. I like Summoner the way that it is now in most ways. It's just a couple of missing pieces, which, once again, they don't have to fill in. That's fine. It's just one of those things that's like, oh, weird. Just like Scholar and Summoner being the same job, technically. Their class, at least, <laughs> yeah. to start. These things are going to be here, most likely. I like um, I like that knowing that the reason that all this stuff is sort of like yeah. fiery orange is is Phoenix. Yeah. I had always really assumed cool. that um, it was some sort of feedback from uh, stopping a calamity. Because that's mm. basically what happened there. It, and the calamity is, is happening simultaneously on another sliver uh, and uh, usually it's some sort of elemental calamity. So mm -hmm. I assumed that the calamity that was happening was maybe like an earth or a fire calamity, but this is better. I like this more. Right. <laughs> yeah. I like this a lot. It also like raises in my mind all these questions, like as far as an RP or lore nerd mm -hmm. purpose would go, right? We're like, I wonder if certain sites close to like huge clusters of those crystals, if people would bring their like people there for healing or because they mm -hmm. believed they had some sort of property of restoration I mean, the, or like the crystal you mentioned uh one of them is supposed to have restorative properties so and that's that's yes. sort of why i think that it's, it's and also because we had phoenix in those earlier uh raid tiers also i mm -hmm. sort of think maybe that this has been established for a while and it's just never come yeah. up yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, it'd be cool. I mean, can you even imagine, like, a bunch of people just chunking off these crystals right. and, like, doing a whole commodity with them? I mean, like, 
That's very fascinating to me. I mean, maybe future healer that uses some sort of uh, physical-esque thing that wields the mm -hmm. power of these crystals. Like, that would be interesting. I'd, I'd be like, that's neat. Yeah, okay. really cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's part of the new list as well. Like, maybe you can use... I mean, I would love to see a corrupted crystal newlith for Phoenix, right? Like a Phoenix-themed newlith. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Now that we know this, I want to see it. Random question. Uh-huh. Because uh, I can't really remember. Uh, Thanalan at large is sort yeah. of uh, shrub shrubbery, low low scrubby greenery, mm -hmm. some, some trees, not yeah. super green. The area around the burning wall, specifically like when you go through the tunnels and are in the yeah. part that's really like loopy, is that more green than the rest I think of it the is. area? Because that would be an interesting touch too, if that's the case. You know, I think it is. And I always chalked it up to the fact that there's also a waterfall there. There's mm -hmm. like a water I mean, source. That's yeah. super fair. <laughs> well, but, yeah. but it's really fascinating because, you know, now I think that raises the question, right? Was that portion of the land like that beforehand? Or did this cause some sort of oasis? Like, did this surplus of aether that, like, led to, you know, purification and, and reinvigoration mm -hmm. cause a spring or cause, you know, a lot of things to sort of happen that would replenish the wildlife in the area? Yeah, if yeah. I'm recalling correctly, there was a river in... Uh, the Thanalan, specifically east and southern areas, in 1.0. Mm. I I could could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure ah. there was uh, a river. Yeah. Interesting. So Puka there, there might the have chat. been a source. Uh -huh. Pook brings up in the chat Drybone, which is very close by, has an interesting name considering the like the prox like proximity to this. So yeah. maybe that could be an indicator if it was named before the calamity that it mm. used to be dry there. Yeah. Maybe I don't maybe. know. You know. Interesting. Interesting. The warrior also, blight really needs. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Eva lives in chat. Also said, I wonder uh, if this is going to come up in Endwalker Alliance raid. See, so yeah. uses the twelve's power to do that. Yeah. See it. This also brings up another interesting point. <laughs> There's so many good yeah. ones. There's yeah. so many interesting things here, right? So I was thinking about other places that we've seen with with crystalline. We assume aether, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Earth's font. And Gridania yeah. has those very distinctive crystals, which I wonder if they now maybe contain the energy or essence or memory of Odin or something, which is why mm -hmm. there's the whole affiliation there with the lore. Or um, the crystals that are in Mordona, are they purple? Yeah, I think. No, they're no. blue. Blue. They're like pale blue. In, yeah, some of them are blue, and some of them, uh, the newer ones are Phoenix colored, if you will. Yeah. Like the big Ooh. splash bubble. That one's Phoenix definitely flavored. the orange. Yeah. And some flavored. of the crystals there, like the old ones, have something to do with the mystery beneath Silver Tear. Mm. Oh, for sure. Or Midgard Stormer. Maybe. Or, yeah, yeah and, and 1.0, all, all of the, there were so many blue crystals, and there was miasma everywhere. I, I miss <laughs> yeah. the miasma, and I miss the music, too. When you would go into Mordona, it was like, hey, you want to be creeped out? Here you go. Yep. It's just, interesting. I mean, I have no idea. These are wild speculations again. But with, yeah. like, the miasma and stuff, too, in, like, conjunction with that... It could be something about the energy or whatever else is in that area, the crystals that they released if, you know, yeah. um, these orange crystals released healing aether. And then maybe if later we Ooh. had the phoenix crystals that were there that, like, cleansed some of it and then we yeah. cleansed other parts of it. Interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. interesting. I mean, I well just thoughts. know that 
as the Warrior of Light, we're really good at keeping secrets, because this whole Phoenix healing the land thing would have been real nice to know in Eden. Like, why are we summoning Oh Ifrit? my god. Like, come on. <laughs> like, literally, uh. just, like, the Eden crystal is a corrupted crystal seven times over. I am actually right? baffled now that they didn't have a Phoenix fight right. in that. Because, because I guess we're keeping it a secret. Because we were, we were going to keep it a secret. Like, uh, you know, we agreed with Alice that we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. So we're really good at keeping secrets, but really bad at remembering what primals look like. Which is, I mean, that's fine. That's me. I have a bad memory, but I'm good at keeping secrets. There you go. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Phoenix does feel like it would have been far more appropriate yeah. in some way or, or shape. Also very mm. interesting, given the possibility that Louis Swat could have been re-envisioned oh. in that fight in some sort Man. of way, you know? I don't know. And it would have introduced newer players to that if they that concept and that idea mm -hmm. if they'd never done Binding Coil. I don't know. Feels like a missed right. opportunity, but I also you understand know. that it is, I mean, yes, supposed to be so, a great secret. Right. <laughs> so. Let's bring it back around uh, yeah, sorry. to the, the last That's half fine. of the, the answer of this question. Um, regarding Tiamat... She was extremely displeased by the Telephori, uh, oh, that the Telephori were abusing Muhammad's power. Yash, we know. I would say that she would not be very happy should you try and twist and misuse your power, or his power as well. So, like, that's not an answer. <laughs> no. It was uh, definitely not. Don't, don't mess him up, I guess. <sighs> yeah. It's one of those non-answers that yeah. um, could go either way, right? It could yeah. be that yeah, I really feel like what he's getting at is that you're the warrior of light. You're a good person. You're not going to twist it. So no, you're going to continue to be able to summon Bahamut and she's going to be fine with it. Is the default way to take it. You can yeah. summon him on the weekends. They can have little picnics together. Mm -hmm. Won't that mm -hmm. would be cute? Like big old giant Tiamat and your little little Bahamut and they can have like, you know, wine and, and finger sandwiches. You're just, you're just third wheeling it up? Yeah. Like, That's I'll fine. I'll be back later. Uh-huh. I like this. Please draw yeah. that, somebody. <laughs> yeah. All right. Since mm. the main story discussed a character's injuries recently, can you tell us more about medicine in Eorzea? Also, what is the extent of a healer's ability to heal an injury? I'm kind so happy to see this question. Right. Can I just take a second? Yeah. Because if you... I've, we talked, I've talked a lot about RP today, but... I do it, and we are none of us have that to be in a secret here. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's something that I do. But one of the great debates in the RP community has been how much can a healer heal? Um, you know, as far as like anything from a scene where somebody uses miraculous power to save somebody from the brink of death to the idea of, you know, I mean, yeah, like all these different, like, oh, you have a boo-boo, can I close it up and heal it? To now this concept of like, yeah, could I literally bring somebody back from the from the brink or back to life, which necromancy is a whole other subset mm -hmm. shenanigan that has its own kind of lore as well. But um, it's interesting, and I'm so glad they asked this question. Yeah. So here we go with this answer. Uh, there are various schools of healing magic, such as white magic and conjury, but all are methods of healing and purification by redirecting Aether to replenish life force and bolster the target's natural healing capabilities. This means that magic will not work on targets whose life force is depleted and cannot be replenished, or is suffering from a disease that will not heal naturally. Ooh. 
Symptoms mm-hmm. like that are treated by using alchemical concoctions, which are the equivalent of real-life medicines, and surgical treatments like sutures and amputation. Interesting. It's a great answer. I mean, it really yeah. demystifies it quite a bit when you think about, like, because there's always the question, like, I know there's a lot of new players, and uh, we should warn spoilers. However, there's some people who die in the story that you're like, well, I have a phoenix down. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, but that's not how it works, right? Um, to me, that really illustrates people who are dying and we can't save them, as in I don't want to be too morbid, but kind of like a, a balloon with a hole in it. You're putting all of the aether back in, but you, it just it's not going to stay in, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no there's nothing you can do. So you are a healer. the whole time they're going... Yeah, exactly. That would really, really make some of these cutscenes better to watch. Please do that <laughs> so that people cry less. No, no I'm kidding. Please no, make everyone I like cry. No, I like to feel emotions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works. It's interesting, too, because um, when it comes to big cooldowns, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the most powerful healing ability in game, which I would say as far as pure healing goes, is benediction on White Mage, right? The idea that it will is the only ability, as far as I know, right, that will pretty much heal anybody to full in one hit. Probably. Okay. So it's interesting because we do know that like white mage like white mages and white magic lore is something that like really did have to do with the fact that they were like unparalleled healers. And I believe there's even some lore around them possibly being like the closest, like when their civilization was at its height, like being the closest to actually being able to save people from the dead. Or Mm -hmm. this is lore that I'm just pulling out of some dark corner in my mind, or that they may have theoretically had some possible, like possible way to resurrect people without their souls being corrupted. But we don't know anything about that um, specifically. We've seen some bad necromancy with our Uh, poor girl Edda and stuff like that. um, But. Yeah. It's interesting. And mm-hmm. I think it does make White Mage feel, again, more... It adds, like, the weight of certain healing abilities more, in a sense, to me. Where, like, if this really is something where in the world, like, healing itself and healing abilities, right? Again, like, um, you know, mm-hmm. only goes so far and other things have to be treated with real medicine. Thus why Cherugins and, you know, or these other practices kind of exist. Mm-hmm. I think it does make the ability to have somebody that could heal in miraculous ways very very cool yes but it's it is something that i don't know how far you think about that with each of the different classes and their healing abilities is is something else it really really and i mean the door has always been open for these rp opportunities but you know things like thinking of the white mage because you have benediction okay well what does that say do they have better control or is it throughput benediction seems like throughput you're the aether into this person you're gonna live you bastard um but like scholar they do it in more controlled bursts they have more like scalpel like and that's why they even make a little construct that can help them do it because they don't have the raw power so you could really get into this if you really wanted to and that is so lore rich and like some people would say oh i don't need that i just play the game you know like i i care about the story but maybe not these offshoots but knowing this and then thinking about the people that we have lost and realizing why it is like or even thinking you know, about uh like mm-hmm. the children on in the little clinic near the alchemist guild and all that right. there's yeah. a bunch of six children there and you're just like why haven't you healed them yet 
because right. they have a disease that won't heal naturally. Mm-hmm. It's such a that's it's cool. Of the answers today, that might be the most thorough. Yeah, I think it's super neat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Can you tell us the rough land area of the various countries that appear in the game, including Boja and Azimstep? It would be great if you could rank the largest and smallest country if you cannot tell us the exact numbers. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this answer will only cover the three great continents. But mm-hmm. if we were to rank the countries by uh, land area, the Garlean Empire is the largest. Dalmasca should come in second. Uh, had it been able to become one country instead of splitting. The Aslam Steppe is also quite large when it comes to land area, but because the nomads live on the land, oh, living on the land have not formed a nation as such, uh, it does not place in this list. Mm-hmm. Several large countries uh, that are currently imperial colonies is, exist as well, but they are hidden by clouds on the current world map. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. In Eorzea, the city-states are uh, usually smaller. Ishgard, in particular, suffered from climate change brought on by the seventh umbral calamity. The dramatic drop in temperature has led to the state abandoning some of its lands, and the areas that currently function as part of it are pretty limited. That's yeah. it. They even, Interesting. They even tell us about Eorzea. I love that they that that he specifies the three great continents because mm-hmm. the new world is still there. And who knows what countries there are. Uh, But I do like the whole not formed a nation, because immediately I think of, yeah, they don't have a flag. Eddie Izzard taught me that you need a flag for a country, (laughs) and they don't have one, therefore. Sure, sure, sure. I would love to see more of the step at some point, though. I mean, that one zone is so amazing, and there's so much more that, you know that whole area encompasses and with the inspiration from Mongolia it could just be so neat. Really? Yeah. I love the colorful like flags and stuff just spread out amongst the super mm-hmm. green area there. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yes. All right. The seven The seventh umbral calamity. I said the seventh umbral calamity and there was lightning in my background. <laughs> oh, that's what that was. Yeah, that nature was knows what's timing. Going on. <laughs> yeah. All right, the seventh umbral calamity rained shards of Dalamud all over Eorzea, causing catastrophic damage. Did anything happen to the other areas of the world? I'd like to know how uh, the Empire and the continent of Othard were affected. Yes, the calamity affected the world in varying degrees because the life stream and ethereal currents flow through every corner of the world. Much like an earthquake, the impact was smaller in areas that are far from Eorzea. Therefore, we can assume that it did not affect the Empire and the Far East very much. But it yeah, messed with sense. it messed Etheric with ripples or something. Yeah, messed with mm-hmm. aether lines. Yeah. Cool. I wonder if it messed with Charlian because they're close. Yeah, they're not yeah. super far away. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. You know, it it just reminds me of you know the whole seven and the wound in the planet and gathering the life stream and you know. Because I think before the Corrupted Crystals, people thought that they were just because the life stream was used and that's how it kind of crystallized the the excess. So I think that's, yeah, I think that was the prevailing idea before this Phoenix revelation, but I'm not sure, of course. There's a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, 
I mean, it's funny because obviously the Calamity was a huge thing and it's kind of where we start out in the game. And yeah, I don't really know, I guess, how much more they're going to do something with that one right. particular event. I mean, obviously we know the moon is a thing and there's all sorts, of, you know, which harkens back to the other moon and stuff like that. And we've seen, you know, a bit of reference with the start of the Boja quests. But mm -hmm. I'd be really surprised, I think, at this point, if that etheric surge and like that specific event played some kind of role in the next expansion or like to this day there was something right. that we would see plot wise or lore wise that was really relevant to that ethereal shift possibly possibly in the new raid because we do know that Louis Swa mm. summoned the 12 mm. um yeah. in theory uh some kind of primal shenanigan there maybe um i'm but, so ready yeah. for this raid tell me yeah, everything. absolutely just tell me all i know the stuff. i know um but i'm not really sure so yeah, I can. I mean, obviously, something that devastates the world, even if it's not felt, I think it still has repercussions to some mm -hmm. degree. Um, it reminds me vaguely, although, you know, obviously, this is a terrible thing, but the idea of like the nuclear bomb in Japan mm -hmm. and the kind of effects that would ripple out or tragedy in things like Pompeii, right? Where mm -hmm. you have a site of some sort of great devastation that may affect other things through the smoke or, um, you know, just through the connotations, even culturally outside mm -hmm. of, you know, actual physical effects. So. Um, may or may I don't maybe not because I guess at the time there wasn't a whole lot of trade uh, from Eorzea to like the near and far east maybe maybe the near east but the far east like mm -hmm. they were establishing that as we were going over it seemed like yeah yeah I don't okay. know in the Elto custom deliveries quest line it was mentioned that the machinery in the Skysteel manufactory could be used to print. It also seems like Ishgard has many quests that mention books and printing, like the memoirs of Count Edmond de Forton, for example. Could you elaborate on the printing technology and publication in Eorzea? Letterpress printing is currently beginning to spread in areas like Ishgard and the Garlean Empire, where mechanization is advancing. Areas that have advanced mammoth mam technology, like Alda, on the other hand, utilize mammoths made especially for transcription. Transcription mammoths can copy handwritten text and pictures, pictures to some extent, uh, though they are slower than letterpress printing. Their ability to reproduce the original is quite impressive. Aether-based method of copying, similar to glamour prisms and magic prisms, are used as a form of printing as well. Progress in printing has taken a different route in Eorzea compared to our world. I That's love that. Cool. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is just so such a neat little vibrant detail. I, I just love it. Right. They're like, it, we have it, printing. We have like five different versions of printing. What are you it doing? It really opens up like more, art, you know, more rich lore for our peers to hang on to. Like, I mean, at that point, we have crystals that have memories in them. We have a way to print things from crystals you've got an instant memoir like like they're talking about who needs to print it or have a mammoth do it you know what i mean the next like, time somebody cool. gets mad about somebody saying they have a camera maybe we point them at this yeah right you could you could make a case for a camera yeah. now i think i mean mammoths for are sure. yeah some sort of photographic i mean they're basically a scanner i guess yeah exactly kind of yeah and yeah, I would assume that if you are able to, like you said, store memories or something like that in a crystal, you could probably, you could store like a visual recollection mm -hmm. or something, you know, or be looking at somebody and like 
put it somewhere and then create some kind of image or yeah i mean there's yeah, definitely knows. ways all right are the ixal domesticating boars that's, i asked because it. bacon broth is an ixali dish and one of the ingredients smoked bacon is smoked boar meat uh you can also find shaggy shot baby boar inside a cage found in zelfatal which is you by can. the way my mm-hmm. favorite minion and every time mm. I go through Zelfatal, I have to stop at the cage and be like, look how many of you there are. <laughs> I love them. Each of the beast tribes uh, domesticates some type of animal or creature. In the case of the Ixal, this animal is indeed the boar, which is bred and raised, but not truly domesticated because they have not yet started the process of selective breeding. This is why the shaggy shoat is described as a baby wild boar. These boars are fattened up and are ultimately eaten by the Ixal, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> No. Yeah. So every time you get a baby uh, shaggy shoat from the end of the Exali uh, dungeon, then you're saving them from yes. death. <laughs> there you go. That's fun. I like that little detail. That's so perfect. I mean, it just goes to show that you can see something in a dungeon a hundred times, and like there is a very real reason for it. Like mm-hmm. I have been through that dungeon, and I've noticed the pigs. And in my mind, I was like, yes, they probably have them here because they will eat them or something. But to put two and two together in that sense, and then also pair it with like the recipe that uses boar that's you know Ixali in origin, that's just the attention to detail that fourteen yeah. has in this game that so few other games have. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the person who asked that question is really paying attention too. I didn't yeah, realize that absolutely. was an Ixali recipe. Hmm. All right. I was very impressed that Feol's bell, the equivalent of the summoning bell, is a greenish hue, apparently made of bronze. I assume this is because the Fey, which inspired the pixies, are repelled by iron. Is this correct? (laughs) (laughs) I love that you found this very small detail. We told the designers that when players are in the first, they will be summoning a pixie instead of their actual retainer, and requested they design the bell with that in mind. The result was a green bell, and we decided to go with it because it does not look like it's made from iron. This is tangential to the subject, but Aorzean summoning bells are made of silver with a brass pedestal. Silver bells. (laughs) It's just good to know. Like, we don't need to know, but it's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. It's just such a neat, another neat little detail, right. you know? I love that. Uh, you know, and it it reminded me of something that, that I often think about, too, is that these art teams and designers are basically given a task, right? Design this thing. And then they are usually the ones who take it upon themselves to do the research to generate the asset, right? So, like, a lot of these little details are, are passed on from Oda, but then those teams take it as well because in here he just said just design it like that and they looked it up and found out that it you know it, it shouldn't be made out of iron so it's it's kind of it takes the whole team to think of these things because not one person could do it um which is it's really just a, a nice little thing to to see in this story it is i would pay good money for a replica of this bell like that could sit on your desk with like the little fairy wings it's mm-hmm. so pretty i love the design of it it's just like, I don't know, just a pretty little item. Uh, I mean, I know that you know somebody who makes things and then casts them. Mm. Me? Or yeah. Aldi? No. You, with I your know mask? Who makes 
Oh, well, that's that's a commission on Etsy uh, for cosplay. <laughs> Final it's Fantasy like... 14 themed, yes, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if they could actually like smith a bell for me. I don't right. think so. I don't think so. Definitely 3D printable nowadays. Yeah, I do. It have have a resin printer. There you go. Well, Zen, it's all up to you. You need to make this bell for us so we can be big nerds. I, I... love the thunder accentuating some of the I'm points. I'm sorry. It's very good. No, it's I feel good. like you need to like adjust your webcam settings so you look like really dark and ominous and just like cackle. There you go. Yes, good. I'll just I'll just flick it on and off a couple of times. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're coming up on our last question and I think this is a mm-hmm. pretty good last question. It's timely and I want to know more things about it. Uh, I notice that the Diablo armament, which appears uh, as the boss in the Dalriada, uses skills that are similar to the high-ranking Void Scent Diablos. I assume that the Void Scent that was absorbed to create the biological weapon was something similar to Diablos, but the Japanese version of the field record mentions that it is of the Diablo species. Why are these terms written differently? Uh, you can assume that these are the same type of void scent. The name is written differently in different contexts because the individual void scents uh, were summoned and recorded by different civilizations. Huh. Diablos by the Machi, Maki, Maki, and Diablo by the Allegan. Uh, this concludes. Oh, is that that's it? That's oh, it. That's it. That's the end. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the end. Like, that's the answer. Done. I wanted a bigger answer for that one, but that's so pretty cool to know. Yeah, so yeah. Diablos is not just an entity named Diablos. It is mm-hmm. a type of void scent that was summoned by the Maki and called Diablos or the Allegans and called Diablo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to me because um, it's like, is is it is it that there's a whole species is it that they got two unique entities of this species or did they just you know hear it wrong right because yeah where yeah, did the they where did they get the that. name to start from was he like yeah. what's up i'm dm and they were like what right. you say i'll just write this right did, they, did the vessel that they put him in have a cold yeah oh my gosh they kind of seem of the equivalent right. to me I mean, if I, okay, if I was looking at the equivalent with light, so with the yeah. first, right, I would probably place them, and I'm curious to hear what you would say, um, both of you, either as the, you know, the, like, shining night clad, mm-hmm. uh, oh, what are they actually called? They're, they're not light wardens, but they are capable of corrupting other lesser... Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't remember. They use that model that's like the beautiful long hair, mm-hmm. shining armor knight kind of thing. Yeah. I could see them, like Diablo or Diablos, being something akin to that right. in like ranking or like perhaps they can corrupt other, you know, mm-hmm. entities into becoming lesser void scent and control them to some degree if we assume that this kind of dark corruption works similarly to what we've seen on the first with the corruption mm-hmm. of people by Light Aether. So, like, maybe that rank? The only other thing that I would think right. of would be something kind of like the naked ladies. that. Yeah. <laughs> but Scothic seems to be of that aspect, right? They use right. the same model. So, to me, Diablo would maybe be closer to the knights. The, yeah. the Or I'm trying to remember what they're actually called. I can't remember either, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to murder me. Um, 
but yeah, I could see that. Or if it's like a taxonomy thing, like this is a rank of the, I'm just going to go biblical because that's the first thing I thought of rank ranks of angels, like the seraphim versus the archangels versus the, you know what I mean? And maybe each entity of this rank is a Diablo or something, you know, I don't know why, who knows how void sent work. Maybe we should go to the void one of these days soon. That's what I want to do. I yeah. think she's looking at the lore book. I yeah, um, I think we're all I I was like, which one is the one? Oh, here he is, here he is. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. I see hypocrisy is the I think hypocrisy is the knight. Oh, okay. Forgiven hypocrisy is what it I says. I would but... never have known that ever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh Okay, so this mm-hmm. in, in the lore book for the entry for Diablo says Hi Void Mage Cesare. Uh, conducted the summoning of this powerful void scent, believing that uh, merely the threat of such a weapon would frighten the Amdipori into submission, effectively ending the War of the Magi without further bloodshed. The coven, Mach's ruling body of Magi, disagreed and commanded that Diablos be sent to destroy the ancient city. Uh, this doesn't say anything, really. The fear the creature would have accompanied... Uh, well... This is very small text. A feat the creature would have accomplished were it not for the collective efforts of Amdipor's white mages. So, yeah, that doesn't really tell us anything about mm-hmm. his hierarchy. Um, I think the first couple of pages does mention the hierarchy. Right. As it oh, gets it into Void Scent. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the dungeon where you first see Diablos, as you get closer mm-hmm. and closer in, there are, like, minion Void Scent around him. Right. So. It could be that, again, they have some control over it. When he he merges with Scothic, which is interesting, mm-hmm. which seems, yeah. I mean, I guess that could be a con- like consuming. I don't remember if the hypocrisies consume other entities right. to like power themselves up. I'm, I'm not sure. You I don't know. know. It's kind of interesting. You know, maybe it's it's similar to creation magic and primals and things like that in that there is a template for Diablo. Let's say someone made it. Let's say it wasn't La Habrea, someone else. And just the execution is different. And, you know, there's one idea of Diablo, but every time it's summoned, it's a little different. Maybe? I don't know. That Then that would make Voidsent a whole different other thing, because then it's like, are do they even have a form? Like, that That might be getting too weird and meta- metaphysical, but it's just strange. Because this doesn't think, really answer the question. Yeah, I think... um by virtue of it being a video game, they'll probably yeah. always, like, Voids and yeah. like, Pop-Out will always be similar, but I th- you mm-hmm. could make the case that, um, I mean, a lot of them are just, like, corrupted humans yeah. and beings from exactly. the 14th, so they they could be different looking, just like one mm-hmm. person looks different from, the, from another person. Please, Square Enix, give me a Void uh, expansion and I don't even care if you like mirror the light wardens, but let us see those warriors of light who failed. I want to see them. Oh my gosh! Uh, I want to see so the original Kukulain and things like that. So that would be so if you have... powerful and so tough, uh, especially yes. if you had to like. If there's no way you had to like kill them, but then you yeah. got some glimpse into who they were before. Uh. And especially because by that time the war will be over. Like there's no reason for the void to exist anymore. Hydlin and Zodiac are taken care of as of 6.0. And so we're oh, yeah. literally going back and going, oh, man, this sucks for you. Hey, but we're done. <laughs> See ya. I was going to say, if you have the lore book or have uh, access to it somewhere, um, read the Kukulain entry. But I'm just going to read it for you real quick. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one theory places the Void's formation in the hands of champions such as Kukulain, who wielded a stone known as Aurasite, mm. to conquer their plane's uh, primals. The weapon, however, possessed a fatal imperfection, a propensity to bleed primal energies. With each victory, the heroes changed, transforming at last into fiends of endless appetite. Insatiable in their hunger for Aether, they ultimately went to war over the star's ever-dwindling life force. It was during this war that the Flood of Darkness was unleashed. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? That is one of the coolest entries in this book, in my opinion. My goodness. Ah, uh, and I then mean, the Void expansion could have the Four Fiends. Ah, but it's Ooh! Okay. Ooh! It'd be very good. I need uh, to have the Four Fiends somewhere. Yeah, I need the song. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny how even back in that, like, that lore works with what we know now, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, with the context of what we know, it's right. super neat. Ah. So who knows? I don't know where Diablo slash Diablos falls within this i always thought of him as a unique individual mm -hmm. but it does make more sense to think of them as some sort of type or subset now which is which is interesting yeah. i mean who knows there could be there could be like the diablos to end all diablos there could be yeah. I mean, who knows there could be some that diablos are different prime. or very diablos prime but it does make sense now because that was actually even a question we had when we were talking about the um, you know, content when we were doing our Boja lore cast, mm -hmm. we discussed the fact that, you know, what exactly is this the same entity? Is it something different? So obviously it was on other people's minds too. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we got to the end of the interview. Is there anything else you guys yeah. want to talk about today? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a good hunk of good stuff. Yeah. You yeah, know? So. Yeah. All right. Well, then we will do our rapidity rep. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta find the thing to put up. What is it even called? Here it is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you want, you can email us at aetherightradio at gamerscape.com. Tweet at us at aetherightradio and find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Discord at Gamerscape. Uh, the Discord is gg. Discord.gg slash gamerscape. We also have an Aetherite channel. Aetherite radio channel. Wow, there's so many words. <laughs> on this where you can chat about the show or ask us questions or tell us what you thought about, you know the cool stuff in this Bon Riota interview. Um, or thanks, new as questions. always. Yes, new questions. Yes, new questions. Yeah. Questions. Thanks, as always, to everybody who came and hung out with us in chat today. And thanks for everybody who was way on another post-published podcast. Um, we'll yeah. see you next time. Bye. Keep finding fun stuff to do. Until yes. the expansion. <laughs> <laughs>